become a reflection of perfection. I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, because nobody is beautiful and as powerful as me. Introducing from Paradise Valley, Arizona, superstar Billy Graham. Billy Graham was definitely ahead of his time. He was another intensity, another level, another color chart brighter. There's more colors on my body than the rainbow in the sky, Daddy. Superstar Billy Graham was just a new dimension, redefining, evolving the term of sports entertainment. They had never seen anything like him. He had the look, and he certainly could talk on the mic. I eat T-bone steaks. I eat barbell plates. I'm getting sweeter than a dripping chocolate cake. The man of the hour. The man with all the power. Too sweet to be sour. I am the superstar. He was the first guy to come along with the out-of-this-world physique. Look at the size of those upper arms. He set the standard of what people thought a superstar should look like. With an unrivaled charisma, Superstar became one of the most iconic villains of all time. And in 1977, Graham would shock the world by defeating the legendary Bruno Sammartino to capture the WWF Championship, ushering in a new era of sports entertainment. Billy Graham was the main reason I got in this business. I said, man, I want to be just like him. He just had something so special. It's unbelievable. He is bad to the bone. The controversy indicates stardom. Superstar Billy Graham might just be the biggest star of them all. 20 years ahead of his time, he truly was the very first sports entertainer. Superstar Billy Graham, what you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. Hey, this is Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Throwbacks. The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Your shows, your entertainment, and your network. This is Rant and Remember, what this network wants, this network gets. I promise you that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. Broadcasting live from Shaolin, Staten Island. Freak Show Central. Where's that? New York City. 
the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. It's the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast on Rant EM Radio. Proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Episode 480, I believe this is, of the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. We are part of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media, and of course, whatever Jimmy Ferrari's doing. Actually, Jimmy Ferrari's doing big things. He's doing um, he's doing a book. I'm going to have him on the podcast soon. But Jimmy's a good dude, man, and uh, we wish him well. And I'm glad he's back on social media, a little more active anyway. We'll get into him in a minute. As always, I am your gracious, ever so gracious host, the Yoda of Yesteryear, the Messiah of Memories, and for this episode only, your reflection of perfection, the number one selection, the impact player, Mr. Philly Ray, and if you know the quote, you know why I'm doing this episode. We lost the superstar Billy Graham a couple days ago. Hold on. Oh, shit. That's not bad. Then you know this episode is dedicated to the life and the memory of the the world's first sports entertainer and professional wrestling superstar, Billy Graham, who we lost a couple days ago. This episode is about him. We're doing a tribute, as you heard in the beginning of the show. We're going to play some promos, talk about the superstar, talk about my... My uh, disdain for him for a very long time. And to this day, I mean, even though he's gone, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit because he's dead. But, I mean, he's so important and iconic that he he, he deserves his, his flowers regardless. And I, I feel like in any genre, and we spoke about this before on the podcast, how us as fans give some of our heroes, you know, we give them, we put them on a pedestal. And they're not nice people in real life. You know what I'm saying? So when when you look at it like that, and, you, you know, it's like, well, you know, people, I know people, like little generations, maybe one or two, I don't know, maybe one or two generations before me, the big O.J. Simpson fans, you know, because he, he was an iconic football player. You know, we just lost Jim Brown the other day. Both iconic football players. Jim Brown was a was a a huge deal outside of football, but they both did some. Jim Brown allegedly raped a a, a woman. He, you know, 
arrested for assault and battery on, on females a bunch of times, allegedly. Um, and OJ, we all know what OJ did, you know, made his wife basically a Pez dispenser. But that's besides the point. But these people were iconic in, in sports. And, you know, when you do stupid shit outside your career, it's like, uh, you kind of, it's the same thing with Snooker. We, I had this conversation with my buddy Andy yesterday. About Snooker, it's like when we do, when we opened up the books again on Snooker when they reopened the, the case about this dead girlfriend. It's like he's not a nice person, but you give the Superfly's flowers when he passed away because he was iconic. He he did some pretty cool shit in the industry. So we're gonna pay homage to the superstar Billy Graham, as as Dusty as Dusty Rhodes would say, and they had some kind of they had some kind of chemistry going on too for a couple of months there in the late seventies. And, uh, I mean, uh, not much news to talk about, really. I don't have a lot of news and notes because there's really not much went on during the week. Um, Double or Nothing is next week. We'll preview that maybe in the next episode. I don't have the whole car listing anyway because I didn't, I didn't really prepare for I prepared for the Superstar Billy Graham tribute for the last three days. So I did that. And another video game for AEW is coming out in June. Um, that's all I know. That's all I know right now, and I really didn't watch a lot of wrestling this week, except for the Superstar Billy Graham documentary, and I watched a ton of his matches and promos, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in depth, but I just want to, like, I just want to kick back again. I want to um, jump back on, on the whole thing with, with, with athletes, and uh, even, like, musicians and icons of any genre, you know, it's like, they're not nice people, but we still root for them, you know? And I remember having a conversation with Mike Mike Norengonger of the Midnight Jury. Mike and I are huge football fans. Mike's a Jets fan, um, long time Jets fan. And Mike and I had a we had you know a little bit of a uh, not a I guess an argument. I don't know if it's an argument, but a debate. Like when the, when the Jets signed Michael Vick, you know he um, would not watch the Jets. You know he's an animal lover. Um, and he was like, you know what Michael did with dogfighting, I I can't. You know, I can't back that dude, you know. And it made me wonder, like, well, you know, it's, he did, I mean, he went to jail. You know, he did his time. He paid his debt to society. He apologized. You know, as humans, can he make mistakes? Sure. Is it your job to forgive them? No, you don't have to. You guys all know I'm, I'm purple and gold when it comes to football. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. And a couple of years ago, probably their best running back ever, Adrian Peterson, it's hard for me to say because I love Herschel Walker, but Adrian Peterson, you know, beat his kid, basically, with, like, whips and fucking switches and shit, you know, it's like, I, and he didn't, nothing happened to him, and he, and people said nothing about it, and he, now his jerseys, two of them sit in my, in my, uh, in my closet, and I haven't burned them or threw them out, but I'll probably donate them to to charity, to, you know, to a old folks home or something, you know, when I donate my clothes to the church, they're going to probably get those jerseys because I, I won't wear those jerseys anymore. You know, I was a victim of child abuse for a very long time, and I don't condone that shit. You know, I you want to discipline your kid, that's one thing, but you want to beat them with, like, with instruments? I mean, that's just wrong. And I took a stance, and this is where my head is every time something comes up, like this John Morant shit, you know, with, in basketball, this kid's worth a half a billion dollars, 
and he's still posting videos of himself on t on Instagram with with guns in the clubs and shit. I'm like, dude, this is not what you're doing. You got the world by the balls, and now you're a multimillionaire because you're playing a child's game, and you're just acting like a child. And the NBA does symposiums for rookies. They take these kids, and they sit with them and be like, yo, man, don't do this. Don't say that. Please be this, and, you know, please be the model citizen you're supposed to be in the town that you play for. You know, and it's like... This shit wasn't around back in the day. You know, when, when wrestlers do some pretty stupid shit outside of work, you know, we go back to the Benoit thing. I love, I idolized Chris Benoit. You know what I'm saying? But he killed his kid and his wife and killed himself in a rage. And, you know, it's he's not a nice person. And, and even though he's not going to get the Hall of Fame he deserves and he's not going to get any more accolades from his peers publicly... You know, I'm still going to give him props when we talk about certain, certain his matches. I'm not going to go out of my way and praise him. But if we're doing a we're doing a throwback and he happens to come on and he was one of the participants, he he gets he gets the uh, you know, he'll get the he'll get the uh, either he'll get the love for the match or if the match is shitty, he'll get a shitty review. You know, it's like it just it's hard, man. Like I I I love Ozzy Osbourne. You know, and Ozzy was a maniac outside of his, outside of, in the music scene, you know. He was a raging alcoholic and drug addict. Almost, he attempted, he choked, choked the shit out of his wife, told he was going to kill her in a, in, a, in a rage, in a drunken stupor. He went to jail for it, obviously, you know. But it's Ozzy. You know, what do you do? Like, do you, do you, you know, do you stop listening to his music? Do you stop? Going to the concerts, like, you, you can, and I'm not begrudging anybody for doing that, by the way. You know, if you want to take a stance on something like that, and and you're hell-bent on it, I know people who stopped listening to Michael Jackson because he allegedly did some shit with kids, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, all right, well, if that's how you feel, Mike wasn't charged with anything, you know, and, and Mike wasn't, you know, he allegedly paid families off. For having sleepovers with their kids, but you know why the parents let that happen anyway is beyond, beyond you know beyond me, you know. And that's another story. These stories are like just they add up, you know. Uh, I'm there's I forget the, the, I like that one song that rock and roll too. Hey, they play it in sports arenas and, and concerts all over the and uh, sports venues all over the world. But that dude was like a child porn dealer ringer guy, like, you know, and he participated in child pornography, apparently. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go out and buy the fucking record, but, you know, this is what it is. And and these things are all, these things all got me going after I read that Superstar passed away because I've been very critical of Superstar Billy Graham. And uh, what, he, what he would do was he, every time he would be in financial disarray, you know, he'd get back on his pills, and he would go on these public rants. He tried to sue Vince McMahon for bullshit, you know, after, and then after Vince brought him back, and we'll get into his career after the break, but, um, you know, 
he was every t- and every time he would become bitter about something, he'd go public with it and just make shit up, you know. And this is and, and listen, and he was in a very very amazing spot in in a, in his career. I mean, he he trendsetted the business, and if it wasn't for him, and I'll get into it, but you know, he would just say so. He would be like bipolar. He would say shit. Then apologize, say some more shit, apologize. And then when social media became a thing, it got worse. Every couple of years, during the during the tenure of this podcast, he would pop up and just say some stupid shit. And you're like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? You know? This is superstar Billy Graham. Now, he's part of that generation that really didn't prepare himself for that after wrestling life. You know? Back then, wrestlers didn't do that. They thought they'd be doing it forever. And if they didn't do it forever, they would go and get regular jobs and be regular people. You know, uh, they, you know, how many stories have you read about guys who were truck drivers? I mean, Luna Vachon drove a fucking truck when she before she passed away. You know, it's like ha- this is what happens now. You know, now it's a little different now. You know. The talent is now doing, they're opening up wrestling schools, and they're doing, like, uh, seminars, and they do autograph sessions and and conventions, and they do podcasting now, and they do radio, and, uh, I mean, like, Life After Wrestling, look at uh, Mark Henry and and Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray, uh, you know, um, Thunder Rosa, all busted open people, you know, they they another genre. To get into, and they would open up wrestling. Uh, guys got wrestling school. I know Bubba Ray and Devon got a wrestling school. I'm pretty sure a lot of guys in the business are gonna like open schools or have something to do with wrestling. There's more avenues now than there were 30, 40, and 50 years ago. Let's be honest, you know. So, um, not that I'm sticking up for superstar. I'm just saying, like, these are the things that happen. Back in that time, you know, even in my era in the 80s, guys were like, when they're done with wrestling, it's like, what do you do? Do you you become a color commentator? Do you do that? You know, you become a play by play guy or girl? Do you, you know, I mean, Joey Styles was uh, doing the website for WWE after he stopped doing ECW and then was on the air for ECW uh, for WWE when they brought ECW back. Uh, which which fell apart, but he, another avenue. Just guys were just doing their shit and working it and working it and working it. Um, and now there's more of a hustle. Back then there was not. You didn't do much after wrestling because you know wrestling was still regional and it was still territorial and 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 cable was still in its infancy. So you didn't have these avenues, and you, obviously we didn't have the internet, you know. But these these are what the what the stakes were. So. I, I took a long, hard look at Billy Graham, and I took a hard look at my heroes growing up, whether it was a sports athlete or a musician or um, civil rights activist. You know, I'm not, you know, just because you did some good shit doesn't mean you're not a bad person either. I mean, you know, how many people were begrudging Malcolm X for doing what he did? You know, even though he's a hero to most of us, right? In some social circles, he's not. He's a criminal. You know, um, I growing up in the eighties in the in the late seventies in the eighties, I was surrounded by the Italian mob in in different neighborhoods where I grew up. And by the time I was done with high school, the city had cracked down on the mob and took away their 
their power in, in, in essence. But in that sense, while they did that, it started taking away from the neighborhoods that were being taken care of. And I, what I mean, what I mean by taken care of, any anywhere there was a, a there was a mafia influence, and in what and whatever neighborhood you were in the five boroughs of New York City, there was no crime. Every all the businesses made money, legally and illegally, and these neighborhoods prospered because the mob would take care of the neighborhood. They would take care of their own. You see a little bit of of that now with some of different ethnicities here in New York City. Uh, the Chinese are very prominent in certain areas in Brooklyn, in Manhattan, in Queens. They take care of their communities. They they open their own stores. They have their own real estate. Um, the Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn, um, and in the Bronx, and in, you know in Queens, very prominent areas. They take care of their own, their own, their own. They have their own churches, synagogues. They have their own. In infrastructure, they have everything, you know. Um, but with the mob, I, I as an Italian American, it was like it was almost like second nature. Oh, so and so is taking care of. Oh, John Gotti, so and so, Anthony Gotti, so and so, Colombo, and you and you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and your neighbor who was always taken care of. You always had to go to a wedding or a party, and and your mom made you go up and say hello to somebody that you didn't know, but they knew you. But you didn't know them, and that was okay because they took care of you and made sure you grow you you were okay growing up. My dad did a lot of time in jail, um, and my dad growing up had his people look out for me when I was a kid. Made sure I had money in my pocket, you know, clothes on my back. Um, really didn't support my mom and I like that, but when he could, he would put favors out while he was away. Hey. He called me up and go, hey, go see so-and-so. He's got a store. He had a friend who was a plumber who ran stuff in the back of his office. You had a, He had guys who ran numbers, guys who did heists. and I never went without. Even though I grew up with minimum, I never went without. I always had clothes on my back. I had food to eat. And uh, every once in a while, I had some luxuries. Like my dad would get me sports equipment or a TV here and there or something like that. You know, bootleg cable. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. But I was always taken care of. And I took that mentality into my career of taking care of people. And taking care of people was important to me. And uh, as we celebrate um, EMS Week here in the the United States, it's a week of giving thanks to first responders and dispatchers. um, Emergency medical technicians, paramedics, dispatch, emergency medical dispatchers, administrators. And EMS who do the grunt work for the healthcare system. You know, we're soldiers. You know, we we bring the patients to the hospital. We discharge them. We take them out of the hospitals. We are on the front lines of every pandemic, every disaster. And and me being a volunteer, starting out as a teenager, I was like, you know, I could do this as a career. And I did. And I took that mentality of helping people to my career. And, and I had... Somewhat of success, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I live check to check, but I'm, I'm, I have a place to live, I have food to eat, and I can feed my cat, I can pay the rent, and I can live, you know, not much beyond my means, but I can live, and my career helps that because my, you know, I grew in in, in the industry, you know, got more certifications and took more classes and got a better gig at a better facility and. That giving, that taking care of, 
stretched out from being a kid. You know, you take care of your own. You take care of your your family. You take care of your friends. You take care of your neighborhood. You take care of your city. You know, I tried taking care of my city for 24 years now. Um, and I'm pretty proud of it. My my anger towards the industry itself doesn't has doesn't really reflect on my my immediate job it does it does hinder on it a lot of times and it does take its toll in, when it comes to red tape and and stuff like that but that's another podcast this, this is a wrestling podcast but you know i built my i built my reputation on helping people and getting inspiration from my hobbies and my heroes, my sports heroes, my my musical heroes, my wrestling heroes, you know. And Superstar Billy Graham was definitely a hero, and that's why I was so mad at him all these all these years for running his mouth for st- stupidity. Like, I mean, I could see if it was you know a lot of that stuff was true, and it wasn't. You know, even after they gave him the Hall of Fame and everything else, ridiculous. But this is the life that some people live, you know. And one thing I'll never try to be is bitter, you know, and I I don't want to be like the guy who cries about his mental illness and does nothing about it or the guy who who just doesn't have, you know, a better job or a better better living situation or I don't want to point finger. Well, it's this it's 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 so and so's fault or it's this this happened to me that happened to me, you know. All your losses become lessons. All your gains have pains. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I can give you a million cliches when it comes to, you know, living your life <laughs> the way you live your life. I don't want to do that, you know. I want to just entertain you guys, and I want to be happy, and I want to be happy enough where I can do this on a regular basis, you know. So... I hope everybody's doing well. Weather is nice here in New York City. It's been like in the 70s. It rained basically all weekend except for this morning. I went out this weekend. I saw Fast and the Furious 10 last night. So I'm not a fan of the genre. The person that was with me wanted to see it really badly. She was into the genre. So we had a nice steak dinner, and then we went to the movie. Um, And I must tell you, I understand why this movie is so uh, is so popular. The the, se- the movie the movie uh, se- the movie uh, series is so is is so popular, you know, and special effects and star studded casts every movie, um, but there's a time where you have to stop, and they ju- they. They left it off where there's going to be another one. And I really thought this was going to be the last one. So your next question to me should be, well, Phil, why are you going to see Indiana Jones next month? They should have stopped that three movies ago. And this is where I have no argument because I love Indiana Jones. (laughs) So I'm going to go see it. I love Harrison Ford. You know? Um, So I'm going to go see it. I, I I don't know, man. I feel like when you when when you are stealing cars and all of a sudden you make it into into outer space uh what else can you possibly do you know what else can you possibly do i don't know i don't know what you could possibly do i have no idea 
Um, I, I, I for one, I don't know. I, I, I really can't begrudge anybody who's into this because, like I said, I'm going to see Indiana Jones next month. <laughs> so, and I don't know. I didn't. I was kind of disappointed because I really thought the the way it was set up that it was gonna end like this time, and it's not. And I don't want to give it away for you guys if you didn't see it yet. I know it just came out this weekend, but. You know, I I just I I understand I understand why you guys I was talking with the rank guys the other night and I know Surface saw it already and I was like all right don't and then he said something he ruined it kind of ruined it for me I was like dude I didn't see the movie yet. I'm seeing it tomorrow well you're gonna do you're gonna feel like this because I was like dude I don't want to hear it and he kind of I want to strangle him he but he's lives ninety miles away from me you know so <laughs> I was so pissed off at him man I was very angry with him. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, if you like special effects, if you like, if you like that genre, if you like that series of movies, I definitely suggest you see it. Um, but don't be surprised if you get disappointed because there's going to be more of them apparently. So I don't know me. I'm like, eh, I kind of like didn't hope that wasn't going to happen. But what are you going to do? Right. So. All right, like I said, there's no other news and notes. I'm just telling you how things are. I, like I, I actually did two in a row this this month, so this is that's a that's a it's a plus. I told you I'm getting more inspired. Um, I got some ideas for next month already, so I'm really excited about that. And um, I then Superstar passed away, and I'm like, well, kind of, sort of, not set up for it, but I always had an idea because he was in bad health and and all that, so. What I'll do is I'll uh I will definitely uh try to do more like I promise you guys, you know. So with that being said, take a quick break, let's plug our friends, and then we'll come back and do uh a tribute to the superstar. We'll be right back. With Alfred Hayes, take us to the break. I guess it's not gonna play. Okay. Okay. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder. Because if you don't find us, we will find you. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at The Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcast, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps.
got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. you like your music heavy then check out radioactive metal on the shining wizards network for over 16 years now radioactive metal has been one of the longest running podcasts over the years we've interviewed some legendary metal acts had some awesome discussions and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes so join your cool uncle snowy and his co-host aaron for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Well, the action is underway! What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast, or playing in punk bands, or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums, then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. The Shining Wizards is the greatest wrestling podcast of all time. Don't believe me? Tune in and check us out. We laugh, we cry, we interview some of the greatest people in professional wrestling, and we have some of the greatest segments of all time, including everyone's favorite wrestling game show, Can You Beat That? We're live 6.50 p.m. East on Monday nights on all social media platforms, and we're with you wherever you go on every single streaming and podcasting platform as well. Check us out. Go over to ShiningWizards.com and join us for some wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. This is The Last Professional Broadcaster, Sam Roberts, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Throwbacks. Ladies and gentlemen, before superstar Billy Graham wrestles his opponent, Angel Rivera, he insists upon arm wrestling, as you know. So Angel Rivera is going to wrestle superstar, but only after the arm wrestling. And once again, you see the costume worn. wrestler in the world today, Mr. Technicolor. Mr. Superstar, Mr. Rainbow, more colors in the rainbow, the prettiest wrestler in the world, Billy Superstar Green. Now, referee Doug Summers will give the contestants the instructions. And Doug, you give me the signal when you're ready to go, okay? Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, he says he's the arm wrestling champion of the world. You're watching him now. Billy Superstar Graham, Angel Rivera, they're getting ready. When Doug Summers gives, there it is, the signal is given, and the battle is on. Come on, 
Superstar wants me to come over, yes? I want to explain to the Mexican man, amigo, those arms on the table. Put two arms, put your other hand up there, amigo. Put the other arm up there. Come on, amigo, put with two hands. Those arms on the superstar, those amigo can, nobody can put, the man can stand on my arm, the man can sit on my arm, and nobody can put it down. Look at that. Did you see that, ladies and gentlemen? They saw it, brother. They got a close-up, but of course they saw it. Superstar, superstar did it again. Let's go to ringside. All right, episode 480 of the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. We're back. It's your boy, Philly Rea. We're going to give a nice little tribute to the original sports entertainer of pro wrestling. Mr. Superstar Billy Graham, baby. All right. Let's talk about Eldridge Wayne Coleman, born June 7th, 1943 in Phoenix, Arizona. His dad, Eldridge Sr., was from Mississippi and uh, worked for the phone company, putting poles in the ground for the power company. Power, phone, whatever the shit may be. It was power, they said. So I have read one article says phone, one article says power. Doesn't matter. He was a pole. He laid down the pole. He laid down the pole to his wife, Juanita who was Cherokee descent from Arkansas. Um, Superstar was into weightlifting at, in the fifth grade. And was as a teen, he was a huge, big into bodybuilding magazine. Guys like Steve Reeves from the 50s and Johnny Grimmick from the 40s. Uh, became a devout Christian when he got a little older and traveled to religious revivals in the, in the belt, the Bible belt, if you will, where he incorporated like feats of strength into his sermons he would bend like a, he would bend bars and steel bars and he would rip telephone book you know books and shit so but of course there was abuse in the house due to his father his father was jealous of him and beat him because of his physique his dad got multiple sclerosis to it at a young age in his life and his mom even hit him when they couldn't hit him with a strap no more, his mom hit him with a brick. Said he was too big to hit with anything else. Jesus. In high school, he uh, was a track and field star, was the state stop, uh, shot put champion. He dabbled in amateur and professional boxing. He was in the 59 Golden Gloves. Uh, at 26, he made the CFL, the Canadian Football League, for the Calgary Stampeders. He was traded to Montreal li- a little after that. Played only a couple of games, worked as a debt collector between football engagements, was a bouncer in various nightclubs on the East Coast and the West Coast. Uh, In 1961, Superstar won the West Coast Division of Mr. Teenage America. Um, His photo appeared in the um, Strength and Fitness magazine. He began to train intensively in 1968, moving to Santa Monica, California, where he worked out with Dave Draper. Uh, Franco Colombo, famous bodybuilder, and of course one of one of the most famous bodybuilders of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. How are you? Uh, stop whining. At this time, he was able to bench press 605 pounds. The record was six, 616 uh, by uh, held by his friend Pat Casey. Uh, there's a there's a photo shoot with him and Arnold in the uh, Muscle and Fitness magazine from back then. And when Coleman decided to become a professional wrestler two years later. He wanted to marry wrestling to bodybuilding. He weight trained continuously. In 75, he prepared for the World Bodybuilding uh, Mr. Pro America in New York City. He had 22-inch biceps. He won the first place award in best developed arms. At the peak of his wrestling career in 77, Superstar weighed 275 pounds. From 78, he gained more weight. In 80, he was up to three and a quarter. 
He took part in the World's Strongest Man competition. He finished seventh that year in spite of injuring himself in one of the events. In December of that year, he hosted the U.S. Invitational Powerlifting Championship in his hometown of Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. All right. In 1969, though, Superstar was encouraged by pro wrestler Bob Lewick to train with Stu Hart in a dungeon in Stampede. Uh, under Stu, he debuted uh, January 16, 1970, in a match with Dan Crawford. Dan Crawford was the inventor of the ladder match, FYI. Canadian wrestler from, the, from that part of the world. After wrestling briefly under his real name, Coleman traveled back to the U.S. in May, wrestling for a couple of months there with the world-famous Dr. Jerry Graham and other guys, too. Uh, in Arizona, he began, him and, him and Jerry joined the NWA's L.A. promotion run by Mike LaBelle. His brother was Judo Gene LaBelle. As a tag team, that following summer changed his name to Billy Graham. They were the, they were the Graham brothers. Uh, Jerry also made Superstar dye his hair blonde using the Clairol gimmick, right? Uh, while wrestling in Championship Wrestling for Florida, the name served both as his ring name to make him the youngest brother of Dr. Jerry Graham, and they became Eddie and Luke Graham, the Graham brothers, just to be put my staple on that. Um, in late December, winter of that year, Graham went, to, went north California to join Roy Shire's NWA promotion. Worked with the great Pat Patterson, became his tag team partner. Uh, worked with guys like Gray Stevens, that was Pat Patterson's future tag team partner, one of the best tag teams in wrestling. Cyclone Negro and the High Chief Pia Maivia. Uh, uncle, that's Grandpa Rock, for those who don't know. Graham's nearly two-year run in Central Cali included a stint in Hawaii. And during his period in California, he developed a new aspect of his character. Before a match, he would stage an arm wrestling contest like you just heard on the EWA clip. Which brings me to the AWA. He goes there after that. Uh, up to, uh, he feuded with uh, the great Vern Gagne, the Crusher, the Bruiser, Wahoo McDaniel, Billy Robinson, former Olympian Ken Patera, and Ivan Koloff, who became his tag team partner. At this time, Graham was integrating his performances, not only arm wrestling contests, but weightlifting contests, which I would love to see with him and Ken Patera. That was the first Super Pose Down they did before Rick Rude and Ultimate Warrior made it. He made it great. One of his most violent feuds was with Wahoo McDaniels, who he wrestled numerous bouts with between 73 and 74. In fall of 74, the superstar left the AWA to join the IWA in Japan, where he fought such stars as Mighty Inoue, uh, Animal Hamaguchi, Russia Kimura. And following his return from Japan, superstar formed a tag team with the American Dream Death the Road, if you will. He left the AWA and returned to the NWA in... Spring of 75 and signed up with Red Bastine's Dallas-based promotion for five months and taking on the Brass Knuckles title uh, from Mad Dog Vashon in, in summer of that year. And for most of the fall, Graham worked for the Mid-Atlantic promotion in North Carolina, standing in for Ric Flair, which I didn't know when after Flair had the uh, plane crash accident. So he, was the, he filled in for the rest of Flair's matches. All right. Superstar made his... Worldwide Wrestling Federation debut on October 25th, 1975 in a tag team match in the Boston Garden when he and Spiris Arian defeated the WWF heavyweight champion and his partner Dominic, uh, uh, Bruno Sammartino, and his partner Dominic Danucci. During this time, the great Grand Wizard Ernie Roth became his manager. After a brief stint in NWA Texas uh, territory, 
Graham went on to his second tour with Japan with Ivan Koloff, taking on Antonio Inoki. Returned to America, Graham and Koloff made an unsuccessful attempt to launch their own promotion in Southern California. But then the fall of that year got an invitation from Dusty Rhodes to join the Florida promotion of NWA, Florida Championship Wrestling, and he beat Dusty for the Florida Heavyweight Championship in November of that year in West Palm Beach. His uh, work included uh, occasional visits to St. Louis, where he took on the NWA World Champion, Handsome Holly Race. Here we go. Here's the big deal, though. In uh, 1977, April 30th, 1977, in Baltimore, Maryland, after putting his feet on the ropes, uh, superstar Billy Graham beat Bruno Sammartino for the World Heavyweight Championship. Okay, and we're going to take you now to... A promo right after this happened with the superstar. Come out first. We'll try to get an interview with Graham. And here you hear the roar of the crowd for superstar Billy Graham. That was the infamous rematch right after Bruno lost the title to superstar Billy Graham. So, that was one of the greatest promos. Uh, they, they play that constantly, that man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. He had a bunch of other quotes, too. We'll, we'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, all right, moving right along. He held the belt for 10 months, by the way. But around that time, um, he feuded with Jack Briscoe. And he feuded with Pedro Morales, Don Morocco, Mil Mascaris, Strong Kobayashi, Carlos Roca, and Ricky Choshu. Um, he even fought Harley Race to a, uh, a one-hour time limit draw in the Orange Bowl in Florida. And he lost the belt in 78 to Bob Backlund. Uh, another feud Graham had... Another feud, but right before he lost the title, he had a feud with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, 
a three-match uh, sellout in Madison Square Garden. He wrestled in Boston. Here's the promo from Boston. I couldn't get the Madison Square Garden ones, but I got the Boston ones. So let's hear from both combatants as, about, as, the, as they're about to wrestle in the Boston Garden. But they headlined MSG for three months. Um, and that concluded in a uh, Texas Bull Rope match. Very bloody match if you see it on on the network or if you have the MSG's greatest uh, matches DVD or Blu-ray, it's fantastic. But hey, let's take you now to uh, Superstar Grand Wizard and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, if you will. Also, right now, let's bring on the reigning Worldwide Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, the man who, when he probably got back to the dressing room in Boston, went, because, Mr. Graham, you almost lost. I was sweating. Matter of fact, I was, as you know very good and well, I was carried back to the locker room. The man's literally, bodily, physically, and maliciously and viciously threw me over the top rope against the plexiglass used in the hockey matches and ruptured practically my spleen. And I was carefully, physically drugged back to the locker room and the belt was drugged behind me by the skin of my teeth. I held onto this belt. Unaware that the American dream was so vicious. Unaware that he meant business. But now, now that I know he means business, I'm going to be on the defensive. The Grand Wizard covered my plan, right, Grand Wizard? Defense! 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 That's right, defense all the way. The superstar and I are aware of the viciousness that lies between the evil heart of Dusty Rhodes. Well, American Dream, you're going to be in for quite a surprise in Boston because the superstar and I do have the new strategy. And you, son of a plumber, gone down the drain, little tidy bowl man. The Grand Wizard of Wrestling along with superstar Billy Graham. Right now, we did indeed make reference to the ranked number one contender earlier. Let's bring on the son of a plumber. Let's bring on a man whose dream appears to unquestionably be on the, the proper path to come true. I just was uh, rapping before I come up here to probably one of the greatest athletes in our country today, Bob Backlund. And he told me, he said, you know, he said, if they got a good defense, he said, you got to counter it with a good offense. And it's very true, because the American dream is offensive. You know, I'm, I'm minded that way. I'm geared to offense, you understand? I'm geared to moving. I'm geared to jabbing. I'm geared to moving. I'm geared to takedowns. I'm geared to taking superstars Billy, Billy Graham's big 22-inch arm in my hands and ripping up on it. And he be talking about, I was hurt. You know what was hurt about superstar Billy Graham? His feelings were hurt. His feelings were hurt, because when he went home, his, his whoever he was with say, boy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for letting that man jump on you like that and then it beat you after death. The weasel went out and got loaded on milk and everything. It was so messed up, he didn't know where it was going or what it was doing. The whole town was electrified. It's going to happen. Superstar Graham will find the end of a rainbow. The dream will win in Boston. Fucking beautiful, wasn't it? Okay, let's get another promo here with the with the Grand Wizard and uh, Billy Graham. Let's play this one, too. And, was and to commemorate that memorable, memorable night, superstar champion of champions, I'd like to present you with this small piece of what is left of the ukulele. Get your hands out there. A small piece. Look at the leftovers. Many of the remnants there. 
Fathers! Black for all that's left of the ukulele. Fathers! See, Peter, my Eva, and that's all that's going to be left of you. It's going to be fathers to send back to some more. You'll never get this belt. I'm sorry. Audio quality on that one's a little off. But I had to play it with the ukulele. I thought it was hysterical. All right. Um. So he loses the title in 78. And, you know, he becomes a little distant from the business. And um, he left in December of that year, accepted an offer to join Paul Bosch's promotion in Houston, and then lending himself out to other NWA territories in California and Florida. Again in 79, went on his third tour of Japan, and then became the Central States Western uh, uh, Wrestling Association CWA champion, defeating Pat McGinnis on November 8th, and then drops the belt to a very young Jerry Lawler in Lexington, Kentucky. Graham wrestles three more matches, two in Canada, one in L.A., and then in late in, in early 81, was rumored to have, be, have died. Of course, it was a rib, allegedly. Um, in 82, he went to Japan again, allegedly, and added some martial arts to his repertoire. In 82, Superstar comes back. I don't have any promos with this, though. Little leaner, bald head, mustache, and karate pants. He states he wants to retire the Superstar character gimmick out of frustration with Vince McMahon Sr. not letting him become a fan favorite. All right, After his return, he attacks Bob Backlund, destroys the championship belt. Challenging Bob Backlund for the championship, uh, was unable to successfully win the title. Left the promotion again in 83. Goes back to the NWA in 83. Went to Florida Championship Wrestling, joined up with Kevin Sullivan's Army of Darkness. I wish I had footage of that. Uh, turned face there and then joins the Crockett promotion in 85. Working with Paul Jones and his karate gimmick against the Boogie Woogie Man. And then he went, bulked up again, turned face, got the tie-dye look, the goatee, and dyeing his mustache. And the superstar is back, 86 if you will. And let's talk about it right now with Tony Schiavone. And here he is, the legend, the colorful superstar, Billy Graham. I said superstar Billy Graham is on the airwaves. The superstar is on the superstation. I'm on the cable system. I'm on the satellite system. I'm on the laser beam system. I'm on the microwave system. Superstar being beamed all around the world. I'm the man with the biggest arm. I'm the man who does the most harm. Now, most people take their Chevrolet or their LTD into the shop to get their front end of line and their wheels balanced. The superstar's arms are so big, the pythons, I gotta take my arms in and get my arms balanced, you understand? Speed balance. Now, let me lay something on. Nature Boy, Slicky Ricky Flair. Sooner or later, Slick Rick is gonna have to deal with superstar Billy Graham. And the question is, that's it. The question is, how you gonna deal with the man of steel? What you gonna do with you know who? And how you gonna act when you get superstar attacked? Now you see, now you see, the world championship belt. I need that belt, baby. It's a heavy belt. It's got gold on it. It's got silver on it. It's got platinum. It's got calcium, magnesium, and zinc. 
It's got uranium and titanium. It's got cobalt and asphalt. Super Zombie, your fault, his fault, San Andreas' fault. Super Zombie, got to have the world championship belt. The 24 inch pythons of the superstar will prevail. And there he is, fans, the legend, superstar Billy Graham, joining us here today on World Championship Wrestling. For David Crockett, I'm Tony Schiavone. We'll see you next week. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, didn't stay there very long. Uh, Superstar goes back for one more run in 86 as a fan favorite. After a few appearances, it was come to find out that summer. This is where I saw Superstar Billy Graham for the first time on TV anyway. Uh, he needed a hip replacement. So the footage of his hip replacement was turned into an angle. It was shown on WWF TV in the fall of that year, promoting his comeback. And then in mid-'87, um, he returned to, to compete, but his hips and his ankles were just too much to bear. Um, there was a match in Syracuse in the fall of that year against the one-man gang that allegedly forced him to retire from a competition permanently with the after the, after the gang hit him with a running splash on the concrete floor after Superstars went over to Natural Butch Reed. Um, the incident aired in November of that year on an episode of Superstars. The Rock Don Morocco comes to his aid, and Superstar subsequently becomes Morocco's manager and coming out to the Superstar, Jesus Christ Superstar music, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, Graham's last wrestling match was against Butch Reed at 44 years old, ironically in... in Reed's hometown of St. Louis, and over the next couple of years, after a few bouts of surgeries, Superstar worked as a commentator, and that's where I saw him again. I saw him in person that time because he commentated for SummerSlam 88. I was at the Garden for that with Gorilla Monsoon. So let's uh, take you down to some more Superstar, another footage, another clip of him in his comeback from 86, 87. The new upcoming issue of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, the return of a former world's heavyweight champion. The one-time title holder, superstar Billy Graham, will be making his return in the very near future. Recently, I visited with the man from Paradise Valley, Arizona, in his old backyard. I'm convinced the superstar is still bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. Superstar Billy Graham right out here in the rocks, in the desert, out here with the snakes, the lizards, the tarantulas getting bad to the bone, coming back to the WWF wrestling scene, and I'm feeling bad, I'm feeling tough, and I'm feeling mean. And I got to lay one thing on you, Big John Stud. The superstar's coming back. So get ready to deal with the Man of Steel. Get ready to deal with superstar Billy Graham and the Pythons, baby. Fans here of the World Wrestling Federation, like him or not, anxiously are looking forward to the return of superstar Billy Graham. For update, I'm Gene Okerlund. Get ready to deal with the Man of Steel, Big John Stud. In March, for, in March of 2004, Superstar was inducted into the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame. The night before WrestleMania 20, I was there for that. I saw him again when live. Um, Triple H inducted him the night before. 
Graham later, of course, sold his ring um, to purchase anti-rejection medications to help his liver transplant that he needed. Uh, several months later, jo- uh, Superstar joined WWE on a swing of like a couple of televised events. He was interviewed by the coach, even performing a skit that ended with the coach getting knocked out. In February of 05, Graham appeared at another live event. He was interviewed by the coach, knocking him out again. Three days later, Graham appeared on Raw, where he encouraged Randy Orton to do something to make himself notable. On October 3rd, WWE Homecoming, Superstar participated in the Legend Ceremony with 24 other legends. Uh, in January of 06, he was on Raw promoting his book and DVD, 20 Years Too Soon. And then Grandpa Ways in 2009. Uh, in November of 2015, he signed a Legends contract. Um, he renewed it. He renewed it. He signed a five-year deal in 2021. Um, you know, Graham did a lot of lectures on, on young athletes about the dangerous steroids. He wrote a book, Tangled Ropes, uh, in January 10th of my sister's birthday of 06, uh, to coincide with the release of the DVD. And, you know, I mean, we all know what happened in the 90s with the whole steroid scandal with Vince. Um... Superstar went on a public awareness campaign on the Phil Donahue show. Uh, Graham claimed to have witnessed several WWE officials having sexual encounters with children. Um, McMahon said that never happened. Uh, Graham later admitted he made up the allegations to extort hush money out of the WWF. In his autobiography, Graham describes making the allegations uh, as being my most shameful moment, not only in wrestling, but in my life. A superstar wrote an apology to Vince, but received no response until 2002 when we got his liver transplant. And Vince actually called him on the day of his surgery, according to the DVD. Five years after being inducted into the Hall of Fame, Graham was released from his consultancy position in WWE. He sold his Hall of Fame ring on eBay, like I said, to help pay for his medical bills. Um, he be requested he be removed from the Hall of Fame after Abdullah Butcher was inducted, complaining Abdullah had never wrestled in the promotion. Graham spoke out against against Linda McMahon in her 2010 Senate campaign, claiming she was distancing herself from the racy programming that she profited from as CEO. Uh, upon learning about his liver condition of worsened, Graham reached out to apologize, even offering to be a spokesperson for Linda's campaign. Uh, in 2015, uh, Superstar sent a letter to Vince requesting to take a position, to take the position of Dusty Rhodes, who had recently died at NXT. Uh, Graham got a lot of heat for this um, due to his timing and op- uh, his timing on the on the whole thing. Defended himself, calling his critics evil subhuman. There's, there's a video of that. I can't find it anymore though. He probably took it down. Um, uh, compared a possible reconciliation with Man of that. After of the one they had with Bruno, he reconciled and was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, who I'm sorry, Bruno was in got into 2013. So, uh, let's see, let's see. Um, he has two children. His daughter Capella was born on June 8th, 72. She was named after the star he read about in the Atlas Universe book. His son Joey was born on March of, of 75. Joey was born with double pneumonia and an entang- enlarged heart and was surgically corrected. His godfather is Dusty Rhodes. 
after getting Hep C, he got a liver transplant in 2002 from a 26-year-old female donor who died in a car crash. He had cirrhosis. If you watch the DVD, it was terrible. It was the way his liver looked. Uh, Graham was in the hospital again in 06 due to bowel obstruction from earlier surgery. In o- in 2010, he had more liver problems. He had one. Uh, he he announced he had one year to live without another transplant. Um, he reserved. I didn't know this. He reserved a burial spot in Green Acre Cemetery next to Eddie Guerrero. Um, in 2011, Graham's doctor, Hector Rodriguez Luna, acknowledged Graham's advanced fibrosis, maybe early cirrhosis, that he can live for about two more years if he took a drug called Infeferon, which helps slow the hepatitis and stays in shape. By 2012, he was diagnosed with third-stage liver disease and cirrhosis. In 2013, he was hospitalized with double pneumonia and heart failure. He was re-hospitalized for liver complications. In 2016, Graham was hospitalized with undergoing medical procedure due to internal bleeding. He underwent surgery the next day, and uh, and then he was cleaned after that. Uh, in 2022, he announced he had to have his toes amputated. <sighs> and here we go. In January of this year, as a result of an ear and skull infection, he was hospitalized. By April, his condition worsened. He had lost 80 pounds is being treated for kidney, heart, and lung problems. He died of sepsis and multiple organ failure last week on May twenty, uh, May 17, 2023, 16 days short of his 80th birthday after being placed on life support earlier that week. Let me run down some of his championships. He was the NWA Heavyweight Champion, NWA Florida Champion twice, NWA Florida Tag Team Champion once with Ox Baker, NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion one time. I mentioned the CWA Championship, the IWA Championship, the Brass Knuckles I mentioned, the Texas version, four times. He was the NWA World Tag Team Champion once with Pat Patterson. PWI's Most Hated Wrestler in 73. 77, he got match of the year with Bruno. 78 with Bob Backlund. Ranked 277th of the top 500 singles wrestlers in PWI's 2003 PWI years issue. He was wrestler of the week June 1st to 6th in 87. He got inducted into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2009. He was one-time WWF champion. I mentioned the Hall of Fame. He did win a Slammy Award in 87 uh, for the Real American Award given to him by Hulk Hogan. In 82, he was voted most washed-up wrestler by the Wrestling Observer. And he was pro wrestling, uh, best pro wrestling book in 06. And he was in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in class of 1996. So there you are. Rest in peace to the original sports entertainer, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, superstar Billy Graham, the sensation of the nation, the number one creation. This is what the world waits for. The world out there asks, what's superstar going to do next? Not what he's going to whip up next. But what in the world is Superstar going to wear? I've got a million letters saying Superstar. You let me lay down some yellow on me, daddy. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. Marilyn Monroe looks her best when she's sitting on Superstar's chest. Him wearing a shirt, of course. I'm the woman's pet. The men's regret. What you see is what you get. And you don't see better yet. What you gonna do when a superstar comes down on you? I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. There's nobody as beautiful or as powerful as me. 
and that's the superstar Billy Graham. This has been episode 480 of the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Let's get out of here, man. I, I got to get some rest. I got a big week ahead of me for work. Let's do it. No, that's not, that's not the one, stupid. There you go. Thank you. Anyway, you know the you know the email, turnbuckthrowbacks1 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're all over the place, turnbuckthrowbacks.com. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash turnbuckthrowbacks. Please be a mark. Buy a shirt. It helps you pay a little bit of the bills here and uh, take my mind off things. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Don't take my mind off anything. You don't have to buy a shirt, but buy a shirt if you want to. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks for being patient with me. Uh, we'll see you soon. Same bad time, same bad channel. Don't be a jerk off. Don't be a bad person. Be a good person. And live on the end of a lightning bolt, if you will. Good night, Gracie. <laughs>